Why, hello there. It's Chappie, the British butler. Welcome along to the programme. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode number 62. We sort of uh, dive in and delve and rummage around the uh, the subject of whimsy, nostalgia, uh, light comedy, um, uh, pain of your host. You know, I, I run out of thimbles, so when it comes to, you know, sewing and darning and everything else... I'm getting one of those, like, calluses on my finger, um, like guitarists have, but much less rock and roll when you're a butler, of course. So last week I was frozen, and, and I mean, I really see this podcast as, I mean, I was sort of a frozen tundra uh, over the last weekend, and you guys get on and skate for about 50 minutes or an hour, and get off again and go and warm up. Uh, that, that, that's, that's what the podcast really was, this sort of, uh, this last week. It was... Uh, it was a little bit of gentle exercise, some sort of oral exercise with an A, um, and um, uh, you know, and you, I think you enjoyed yourselves. It seems like it. I mean, we're big in Japan. Um, yeah, a few people listen to us in the UK. A few people listen to us in in, in America. We're doing all right. I think we're doing okay. Um, I mean, obviously, if, uh, if if I go viral one day, I mean that's. Sounds like you might need some paracetamol or medicine for that, if going viral. I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. Or maybe a, a hardy ointment to rub all over to, to rid of any viral concerns. Um, but no, but this, is, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. It's another Friday in our lives on this glorious globe that they, uh, that, that, they that we like to call Earth. And it's, um, it's lovely to have your company again. And um, we, we, we've got a full of fun-packed, full-packed show today. And uh, some of the things that we may or not, may not be talking about today. Um, famous people, people taking the form of pancakes. Now, hasn't half the world seen Jesus Christ as a pancake? I mean, I think we, I, I think we sort of have seen... I mean, most of us have seen Jesus Christ as a pancake. Uh, possibly John the Baptist, maybe the Pope. But what uh, what famous people have take, taken the form of pancakes in a, in a little uh, a little feature that I like to call paparazzi pancakes? Um, also, my love of the Nutella crepe. I mean, when it comes to food, there's there's many loves, there's many passions uh, that, uh, that, uh, that 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 entertain me uh, in the uh, in the food department. Um, also, we have a mystery in the mist. That'll be coming uh, up later. Maybe a two-parter for today and tomorrow, potentially. And all these subjects can cross over tomorrow. They are allowed to cross over to tomorrow. It's not like a sort of Berlin Wall situation where we have East and West. We're, we're all friends here. And, um, and uh, some of the subjects may cross over here, definitely. Um, why can't I hide under a curtain? You know, sometimes I feel like wanting to hide under a curtain. Um, also, um, I saw a big fella, a big fella in skinny jeans, and um, I'll t- tell you what my thoughts were on that. Um, ever had the random smell of horse manure in suburbia? Well, I did. What does it mean? And um, also, um, everybody's very prepared. I've noticed this. I- I'm probably the most least prepared. I-, I fly by the seat of my very ironed and pressed pleated pants 
Uh, trousers, obviously, not the pants in the UK sense. Or I don't pleat my underpants. Uh, or even iron them, to be honest. Maybe I should. Maybe that's where I've been going wrong. Um, also, um, anybody heard of the Fast 800? It's a diet. We'll be tucking into that later. Uh, also, thinking about a new footwear. I like the Yak Tracks, but thinking that something else could be even more effective as well. What are your feelings on dog booties? What are your feelings on random people on Instagram messaging you? I mean, um, I mean, it's cold out there. Any of you still going commando? Well, let's think about that, shall we? Um, also, um, also thinking about new Bravo shows. I mean, you know, Chappie the Butler's mind does like to wander and uh, does uh, go into some nooks and crannies quite often, in fact. Um, so uh, we've got many subjects today, including a uh, Trump or trombone, looking at some of the bloody awful headlines of the week and equating them to a Trump or trombone. Um, we uh, may be looking at a little ghost tale linked to the, uh, to the not the gorillas in the mist, but a misty tale that we have. Uh, we have enigmatic English eccentric habits, not actual people, but habits of uh, of, of the English here, and um, and you know it's pretty much a fun-packed, uh, full-packed, um, packed to the rafters type of program today, and um, you're, you're very welcome to sit down and relax. Whatever you do during the program, we'd love to hear what you do during the program. I mean, I know some people, some people draw a rather large bubbly bath. Um, some people. Um, uh, some people listen discreetly because they don't want anybody else knowing that they're listening to such nonsense. Um, I mean, wh- where are you listening to it? I mean, um, is there anybody? Is there anybody on uh, you know some remote areas of the world where you're listening to uh, to this rather sort of obscure, slightly slightly eccentric, uh, slightly odd podcast? I mean, it'd be um, fantastic to to get a sense of. Uh, you know, where are the random places that people listen to these things? I mean, a lot of people, I mean, I like to listen to podcasts, anything audio, whilst in a dog walk. Very, very lovely time to do that. Either, you know, either podcasts or radio or music or whatever. So I'm sure some people do that as well, whilst they're trying to uh, tame Fido when it comes to uh, a long trek, a long meander, along a snowy trail or something along those lines. But here we are. I'm here, sitting in the chair, trying to improve my posture. I, I do have one of those um, Victorian corsets on today, similar to what they wear in Bridgerton, but it's not to um, make my uh, breast stick out more and, and, and give more of a cleavage. It's more of um, more of trying to improve the posture. You know, I, I have to be erect quite frequently. Um, as a butler, you, you have to, you know, have your head raised and your back straight. And the corset really is helping along those lines. So, uh, so if if you hear sort of a pinging and uh, maybe a broken microphone, that is the corset flying off and d- destroying all sort of technological uh, items that I have uh, scattered across the desk to make this sound slightly professional. So, for a second week, really, people have been talking about Weetabix. Um, this is a cereal that is a little bit like shredded wheat. It's difficult to describe. You can get it at Trader Joe's, I believe. Or you could, could get it at Trader Joe's. You know, a little bit of milk, sugar normally, a little bit of honey. Um, but, um, but you know, you probably remember the, you know, the kerfuffle, the brouhaha that was caused last week 
when people suggested on Twitter that people might enjoy the breakfast cereal with baked beans on it. And there we go, there's the box, the Weetabix box, and there are two of the, uh, two of the uh, wheaty vessels on the plate scattered with baked beans. Um, and um, and it, it's been it's been sort of it's been going a little bit further though this week. It's uh, it turns out this whole Weetabix sensation has caught the attention of a Tory MP in the UK for Kettering Philip Hollibon. Uh, but rather than uh, retweet it or uh, do the vomit emoji, he apparently decided it would be a great topic for light relief in the House of Commons, who apparently thought there was nothing more pressing going on. Turning to the leader of the House, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Hollibon. Uh, described the discourse around the tweet. One of the debates have been dividing the nation this week, and it could be all more divisive than even Brexit. Uh, during the session held weekly to give MPs a chance of the a Commons debate to be held, Holborn asked, may we have a debate on breakfast cereals and their contribution to a healthy diet so we can all arrive at the shared position that whatever it is served, Weetabix is a great British breakfast cereal. Uh, it's actually, uh, it actually an Australian uh, breakfast cereal. Uh, but how, you know, managed to include the cursed phrase of Nanny's homemade marmalade, Reese Mogg took the opportunity to respond and really ran with it. He said, as I used to say, Weetabix are unbeatabix. Uh, my personal preference if I were to eat Weetabix, not with baked beans. I always thought that was rather, rather disgusting. Um, but I've been upset with the makers of baked beans for even suggesting that uh, they should be uh, put, over, put over Weetabix. Um, but a, a million housewives a day pick up a can of beans and throw them away, and uh, you know they shouldn't be shouldn't be wasted in this uh, this type of uh, this type of fashion. But um, I, I mean, I was reading this and I thought Reese Mogg was going to say he he covered the Weetabix in slathered in butter and uh, Nanny's homemade marmalade. Now Nanny's homemade marmalade isn't some sort of uh, boarding school euphemism or anything. I mean, it could be, I suppose. You've been a naughty boy. Do you want a, do you want a spoonful of Nanny's homemade marmalade? Um, but I mean, it could well be. But he, he apparently, as I do, like, well, I don't have Nanny's homemade marmalade. I don't didn't have a Nanny. Well, my grandmother was called Nanny, but I didn't have an actual Nanny, um, uh, you know had a matron at, uh, at uh, boarding school, but not, never a nanny. But uh, Reese Mogg does prefer the, uh, the uh, marmalade on his toast. Uh, he doesn't like the marmalade, uh, I believe anyway, butter and marmalade on the Weetabix. Although that may be a rather interesting taste test uh, over the next coming weeks here. So we do like ancient obelisks and, uh, and ancient buildings here on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Uh, but the ancient Welsh circle at Warn Morn is a brother of Stonehenge. A dismantled stone circle in West Wales is likely to be a proto-Stonehenge, parts of which were transported to Wiltshire for the monument, archaeologists have said. Excavations and analysis of the site in Warn Morn in the Preseli Hills reveal that it may be the oldest known stone circle in Britain, dating from uh, about 3400 BC, and it was also one of the largest with 30 to 50 standing stones. According to archaeologists, the four stones left were similar in size and dimension to the 43 blue stones remaining at Stonehenge, and they uh, exactly matched three of them in stone type, uh, unspotted dolerite. The Welsh origin blue stones are the smaller stones at Honenge, Stonehenge that were brought to the uh, site before the great Sarsen stones, which were thought to be originated near Marlborough. I mean, it will, I suppose for these 
these ancient picks, these ancient medieval chaps and chapesses. It was um, it was like a dress rehearsal, I suppose. But you know, the thing is about a dress rehearsal at a play or the theatre is um, you know if it goes wrong, you know you can tweak and twiddle and tinker. I mean, when you're doing a dress rehearsal of uh, building a small uh, monolithic uh, type of uh, site, uh, you know, complete with stones coming from different areas, you know, it takes days, weeks, months, years to move these stones, um, you know, into the right place. And I, I mean, I wonder if the ancient construction workers may have, you know, stopped for a cup of tea work wasn't done you know in a very timely fashion you know and they were they stopped for the afternoon tea and uh, maybe looking at the sun and looking at you know page three or one of those types of paper maybe page seven fellas who knows it could have been it could have been that and it, it, you know it could have dragged on for decades you know this dress rehearsal and when they finished they were obviously very proud but a lot of hard work's been put into it and then the boss, you know, the, the the gaffer at the construction site said, uh, uh, "Yeah, we had uh, we're dead down to Somerset now, mate, and uh, we had to do the real thing, build the real thing now." I mean, a, a lot of people would have um, would have probably, you know, put their underpants in the head with a couple of pencils up their nostrils and pretend they were mad and sent to an asylum or something. After uh, after hearing that's probably. Uh, the next uh, maybe 30 or 40 years of their life putting together Stonehenge. Yes, and we have now a live crossing uh, crossing to the UK uh, from uh, from Nanny's nursery. She's just made a nice batch of uh, marmalade and uh, she's about to uh, make something rather delightful. I'm a little pancake. I'm a little pancake, round and fat. You can see my tummy but not my back. When I start to sizzle and turn brown, toss me up high and flip me round. So that's the introduction to Pancake Paparazzi. Thank you, Nanny. Um, so the face of Jesus apparently has appeared on pancakes for generations. These days, when it comes to Jesus appearing on breakfast foods, you have to have a little bit more faith than ever. Specifically, you need faith that some clever eBay profiteer hasn't act, uh, purposely anointed the anointed one on a piece of toast or a pancake just to make a buck. Uh, in early February 2006, Mike Thompson of Beechwood, Ohio, claimed that the vision of Jesus had appeared on a pancake and he'd, uh, he'd made while prepping the uh, breakfast for the family. Thompson was paraphrased by News Channel 5 of Cleveland saying the image of the Lord's face was seen from above. He posted the alleged holy pancake on eBay and an opening bid of $500. Uh, the bidding uh, reached $14,999 before the listing was removed for violating eBay's listing rules. Um, there's no evidence to suggest that eBay removed the listing because it was fraudulent, uh, but uh, apparently uh, the recipe wasn't very good and added an extra egg and a little bit too much fat. Uh, still, internet message boards ran rampant with ac accusations it was Thompson and not God who created the image in a pancake. This guy's a scam. This guy's a fraud. It looks like more like Osama bin Laden to me. Uh, one poster joked, maybe he has a Jesus fry pan that has an image embedded in the metal so everything cooked uh, with Jesus on it. This may be a joke, but the Jesus pan is real. There is such thing as a Jesus pan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jesus pan is made from durable steel and topped with uh, non-stick coating. 
Um, I don't know if it has to be blessed in sort of holy oil or holy water before you can actually use it. Um, but uh, but that, that is, you know, that is it. That There are people around the world creating pancakes using the Jesus pan. And apparently there is also a Virgin Mary pan as well. Um, apparently they have they have seen Roy Orbison on a pancake, Freddie Mercury. Uh, the Pope has been on a pancake. You have a papal pancake. I mean, it's it is absolutely everywhere. So if anybody, um, I don't know if anybody had any, uh, uh, you know, dead famous people on their pancakes this uh, Shrove Tuesday, uh, but uh, you may have yourself a paparazzi pancake. So, you know, people have said to me, Chappie, you're a little bit too dog-centric on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Well, dogs are man's best friends, and, uh, and you know, cats are more like the, uh, you know, the sneaky uh, cousin, I suppose, that... Uh, comes in and maybe steals your life savings but you have to remember that you have to play with your cat each day to keep the birds away so essential uh, ladies and gentlemen to play with one's cat each day to keep the dead birds away this was a fable first recorded in the middle ages in which an enterprising band of mice saved themselves from predatory cats by stringing a bell around its neck for the ingenuity they would have ended up as cat food as study suggests cat scientists now claim uh, that they can learn to hunt while wearing a bell. The secret to making them less deadly to wildlife involves playing with them, feeding them a meaty diet. Debates about the effect of domestic cats and wildlife, particularly songbirds, have intensified over recent years. A new study observed 355 cats in 219 households in Southwest UK. Uh, over the course of three months, they were split into groups and different strategies were tested to see how they would curb their hunting. Feeding a cat a high-quality commercial food in which proteins came from meat reduced the number of prey animal uh, cats brought home by 36%. They also found that playing with a cat for between five and ten minutes each day resulted in 25% reduction. So, I mean, that's the, uh, that's the key, I suppose. You have to feed your cat a lot of meat. The cat likes meat. Those vegan cats out there, they aren't cutting it. But they're out there killing voles, mice, squirrels, who knows what else. So, the, you know, the key for a less rambunctious pussycat is, uh, is, is a meaty diet. I don't, I don't know if they prefer turkey, beef, or what it is. But, uh, but that is the, uh, the key to stop your cheeky cats going out there and killing all the vermin outside. So when it comes to food heroes, we have another one, basically. We were talking about pancakes earlier. But, you, you know, you, you talk about, um, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You talk about Jesus on a pancake. But seriously, if Jesus ate pancakes, it would be the Nutella crepe. I mean, it's a ethereal. It's, a, it's a, it is passed down by the King of Kings to your table, the Nutella crepe. I mean, it's so easy. You just you just spread it on there. I mean, you need a little bit of strength, but that Nutella is quite thick. So when you're spreading it on your finished pancake or crepe, um, you know it melts a little bit. But the uh, the wonders of the Nutella pancake. I mean, it, it, it I think it could cure all ills. It's another one of Chappie's food heroes, without a doubt. The Nutella crepe, um, absolutely delicious. And if I didn't get my Nutella crepe on Pancake Day, on Shrove Tuesday, I do wish that I could curl up like a dog and pout behind or under a curtain. I mean, why can't... I mean, I think it would solve all sorts of mental problems if, you know, if, if, if we could create our own little cave, our own little den, 
when we're feeling a little bit down, a little pouty, you know, we, we you know, had meatloaf for dinner instead of steak and uh, we're not feeling it. I mean, if we could hide under a curtain like a dog does or build a little den and hide away, I think that could be the uh, uh, possible cure for a lot of mental ills, without a doubt. Um, you know, I wish I had my pouty curtain to hide under or my pouty den uh, when, whenever I'm feeling a little bit... Uh, you know, roar around the edges potentially. I think it could be. Uh, I think it could be absolutely fantastic. But um, you know, also, if you are feeling a little bit down, do try the Nutella crepe. It'll lift you out of the misery oblivion that you're in and currently, and uh, lift you up where you belong, which is a which is a positive Friday feeling. I think the Nutella crepe is a perfect Friday food. Okay, well, I do. I do hope you didn't get meatloaf for dinner last night. I mean, I, you know my feelings about meatloaf. But an Israeli firm unveils the 3D printed steak. An Israeli company has unveiled what it claims to be the first 3D printed non-slaughtered ribeye steak, and says it's now moving on to other cuts. I mean, I, wouldn't you do the New York strip first, or the filet, you know, filet mignon? rather than the rather than ribeye i don't know anyway the steak pictured was grown from cow cells that were cultivated on a plant-based web to resemble real meat including a normal steak's fat and muscle texture the company lf farms released a photograph of the meat being tested by benjamin netanyahu i mean do the israelis do they have to go right to the top to be tested i mean don't they have you know when henry the eighth tested food he would have a jester testing the food or some numpty testing the food before he ate it because it could be poison it could be you know this this fake steak could be uh, could be poisonous so why are you giving it to netanyahu apparently though netanyahu and this is given a five star it's like the royal crest the royal appointment netanyahu says it's delicious and guilt-free i can't taste the difference you know, he'll say anything at the moment to get into power, probably, though. And adding that he ordered officials to establish a body overseeing and encouraging the development of food using biotechnology. Israel will become a powerhouse for alternative meat and alternative protein. The quest for alternative traditional meat supplies have been an international race because of concerns about the effect of farming on global warming. I mean, basics like farting cows and farting sheep. You know, the flatulence amongst our livestock is causing a lot of the global warming you know it calls this ice flatulent sheep and cows possibly cause me to be frozen to the bone last week the pandemic which brought international trade crashing to a halt last year has also made some countries readdress the security of their food supplies and called into a left 85 percent of the beef consumed is in israel is imported so you know why not make this 3d fake beef I mean, I, I, I sort of, I don't, I mean, would it be, would it be, uh, would it be, uh, would it be too much to say I wouldn't mind a 3D printed, I mean, is it, would it be possible to create a pasty uh, machine? So I could make Cornish pasties, a 3D pasty machine, or meat pie machine, it doesn't have to be real meat, it could be fake meat, I mean, everything tastes like chicken anyway, doesn't it? But I mean, I would love to have a factory with these 3D printers where I could be making meat pies constantly. 
and possibly Nutella crepes. You know, a plant-based Nutella crepe. I mean, do these things exist? I don't know if I want a chickpea. Chickpeas and Nutella won't go very well. But, but anyway, a pasty printing machine is what I want for my birthday. So anybody who's thinking about getting me gifts out there, a 3D, a 3D pasty printing machine for meat pies would be a glorious gift. Okay, so now, ladies and mandelbees, is another little game of historical Tinder. So we've looked at historical figures in the past. Uh, it's not a swipe right or swipe left. Well, it is in a way. It could be the guillotine or the axe swiping right or left. Or do they escape? Do they escape with a harem? Or do they escape scot-free? I mean, this is a question. And we're sort of moving on to generals and other leaders at the moment. But we have Quintus Civilius Capio. Uh, this list could be populated with Ro Roman commanders, but one manages to rise above the rest with ineptitude that defies logic. Marcus uh, Lincius Crassius was a self-aggrandizing opportunist who started a pointless war with the Parthians and also Varus and lost three legions at the Teutonberg Forest. Uh, but Pronsul Quintus Civilius Carpeo managed to top both with his actions at the Battle of Arceo. Council Nalus Malleus Maximus was Carpio's superior officer, but Carpio refused to obey Maximus or even put his forces in a shared camp with him. While Maximus was conducting negotiations with Cimbri, a Germanic tribe that had invaded the Roman province of uh, Transalpine Gaul, uh, Carpio rashly attacked the Cimbri army. The Cimbri destroyed Carpio's force and, emboldened by their success, marched on Maximus's camp. Maximus managed to form up his men, but to no avail. The Romans lost an estimated 80,000 infantry and perhaps 40,000 auxiliaries and cavalry, numbers that dwarf the staggering totals of Cannae. Although he managed to escape the battle unharmed, Capeo was stripped of his Roman citizenship and exiled. Capeo reportedly lived out the remainder of his life in luxury. Some 15,000 talents of gold, the so-called gold of Tulsa, had vanished under his watch, never to be recovered. Capio may have been a terrible general, but he apparently was an exceptional thief. So Capio didn't get the swinging axe. He didn't escape with a harem. He did escape with a load of gold bars. But to be honest, he, uh, he should have uh, gone in the clinker. Okay, so last week we're talking about bathroom etiquette. And this is an actual sign at a golf club in Scotland. Number one, back straight, knees bent, feet are shoulder width apart. Number two, form a loose grip. Number three, keep your head down. Number four, avoid a quick backswing. Number five, stay out of the water. Number six, try not to hit anyone. Number seven, if you're taking too long, let others go ahead of you. Number eight, don't stand directly in front of others. Number nine, quiet please while others are preparing. Number ten, don't take extra strokes. Well done, now flush your rhinal, wash your hands and go outside and tee off. So I think many last week were concerned about the uh, goose problem I have. I sort of have a goose sort of dad's army forming outside. It's almost like my uh, my my front front yard here is like the sedatum land, and they're gathering 
uh, across. I'm worried I am going to have to dig a trench and uh, to you know to protect myself. I think I'm going to be bombarded. Now I've now I've uh, I've brought up the topic of these rather pesky geese. I think they're going to start dive bombing me potentially. So a trench may be the way forward. Uh, and uh, if if not to protect me, to probably bury all the you know goose manure and goose dung. Okay, another little session of uh, trample trombone now. So um, a former South Florida lawyer whose pants caught on fire during a 2017 arson trial has been charged with cocaine possession, authorities have said. Stephen Gutierrez was pulled over uh, last Monday for a broken headlight, according to the Miami-Dade Police report. An officer noticed the bulge in Gutierrez's pocket, which he thought was a knife. The bulge turned out to be a cylinder container with a bag of white powder inside. As the official inspector of the substance, Gutierrez blurted out, that's cocaine, according to the arrest report. Gutierrez made headlines four years previous when he's defending a client who was accused of setting his car on fire for insurance money. During the 2017 trial, Gutierrez was explaining that the incident was a result of spontaneous combustion when his pants caught fire. Hmm, so a Florida lawyer whose pants caught fire, charged with cocaine possession. All I say is lie, lie, pants on fire. Apparently he had a nose for inflammatory remarks. And man claims aliens gave him pancakes after UFO landed in his back garden. Uh, you may think pancakes are out of this world, but one man claims to have served the real deal. Chicken farmer Joe Cementon claimed that he was visited by aliens around 11 a.m. on April the 18th, 1961, and they served him some intergalactic pancakes. Uh, Mr. Cementon, who was 60 at the time of the alleged encounter, was visited at his farm in Eagle River, Wisconsin, by an object which he saw landing in the garden. The sound of knobby tires and wet pavement and want to, went on to investigate. He saw a metallic UFO object, which he described as appearing like two reverse bowls, exhaust pipes on its edge. Mr. Simonton said the object did not touch the ground and he opened the gate uh, on its side and he was met by three aliens who had the height of 1.5 metres and wore navy uh, blue clothing with turtleneck shirts and helmets. I mean, that was an outfit in the 60s, wasn't it? Um, he thought at the time the crew seemed to be of Italian descent. Um, but the occupants gave the witness a metallic jar with two handles indicating gestures he needed water for drinking, holding the jar to his mouth. Uh, but, uh, you know, apparently uh, the uh, alien chef, who had red stripes of his trousers, uh, gave Cementum four hot cookies about 7.5 di diameters with small holes. Um, and then they went on to, uh, to uh, cook him a, a, batch of, uh, a batch of sort of wheat pancakes afterwards. But I mean, I, uh, the question is that were they crepes or were they American style pancakes the aliens were making? If the former, then crepes are definitely my kryptonite, but let's hope they weren't vegan Vulcans. So ranch next to Area 51 goes up for sale with bizarre agreement for new owner. An 80-acre Midland ranch uh, has a unique agreement in place that could allow the owner access to the restricted site. Uh, but you do have to pay a lot if you want to, want to buy it. So the ranch next to Area 51 has gone up for sale. It's around 4.5 million, around uh, 3.2 million pounds. 
Um, Stephen Galenda Medlin moved it to the site in Tickaboo Valley in the state of Nevada in 1973 and had been running a 750 cattle ranch operation. At the time, there were no buildings, running water, or no utilities, but the listing is now including two homes and 70 irrigation spots for the cattle, a total of 80 acres of land. Um, but uh, in the middle of the 1980s, the United States government seized more land surrounding the Area 51, which included part of the Medlin Ranch. But, uh, you know, if you apparently want to buy this, um, Mr. Medlin uh, could only enter the forbidden base to tend his roaming cattle, but he had to give a call on the first uh, on the radio to to the government uh, within the confines so he could technically get into the land surrounding Area 51. So it's almost like uh, a, a, a little call on the walkie talkie. Uh, can I just, uh, uh, I, I need to tend to my cattle. Would you mind if I uh, came in now? Could you open up the doors? Or something along those lines. Uh, I cut that, That's a typical Nevada accent, by the way, uh, if you hadn't have guessed. Um, but it's always made me curious why the men in black characters, uh, Will Smith, uh, etc., uh, always wear all black. Dark glasses as well. Um, I mean, Area 51 is basically a sunspot, and they'll be roasted to a crisp dressed all in black. Maybe they need to try a little linen or possibly a Bruce Willis vest. Okay, so we have a little mystery for you. So probably our American friends or people around the world who aren't in lockdown anymore probably don't realize that the UK is in a third lockdown at the moment. And you're only allowed to go outside of the house uh, once a day for exercise. So my parents in the lovely rural county of Norfolk, do, did decide to um, go for a little walk. Um, and normally my mother takes a sort of jaunt around the field and, uh, you know, to get her daily exercise, morning sort of uh, morning constitutions going on there. And um, my dad decided to, you know, go with her this time and they got suited and booted, basically. Uh, Wellington boots uh, are plenty. Uh, my mother in her 1955 hiking boots. Uh, the, you know, they've been resold probably 25 times, so they're, they're, they're a good hardy boot. And um, they went down the road, uh, along the road there, um, uh, for, for the start of the walk, and they're going to walk around one of the fields. And uh, the, the mist started rolling in, and, uh, you know, it got harder and harder to see. I mean, 100 yards in front and 50 yards in front, and... You know, it was d dank mist uh, covering the, the Norfolk countryside there. And, you know, they wanted to get their exercise. They couldn't go out anymore. And um, they started going around the, uh, around the field, through the wispy grass, along the dog runs, and barely seeing, seeing in front of them. I mean, it was like they had to do like the, a single-file conga line or something to, to see the way through the mist. I mean, not even a... Not even a uh, an oil lantern that my dad had could could light the way through the uh, through the pea super fog that they had. So they, uh, they 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 rambled on, meandered on through the fog, and they could see something. They could see something through the through the mist, through the fog, through the through the pea super. They tried to squint, and they tried to let their eyes get used to the fog and try to get a sense of what this mysterious figure, this apparition, was in the distance. I mean, it was a, 
It was not moving. But it was still alive. It was moving gradually. From side to side. And they couldn't quite see. It was an eerie apparition in the distance. I mean, what could it be? Could it be one of the long lost mythical hounds of Norfolk? We'll reveal all tomorrow on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I mean, I think we have to hazard a guess what this mysterious foggy apparition could be. I mean, me thinks it could be Black Shuck. In English folklore, Black Shuck, Old Shuck, Old Shock, or simply Shuck, is a name given to the East Anglian ghostly black dog, which is said to roam the coastline and countryside of East Anglia. One of many ghostly black dogs recorded in folklore across the British Isles. Accounts of Black Shuck form part of the folklore of Norfolk, Suffolk, the Cambridgeshire, Fens and Essex, and descriptions of the creature's appearance and nature vary considerably. It's sometimes recorded as an omen of death, but in other instances is described as companionable. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the name Shuck derives from the Old English word soccer, devil, fiend, from the root word shocker, to terrify. The first mention of printed Black Shuck is by the Reverend E.S. Taylor in an 1850 edition of Notes and Queries, when he describes Shuck the dog fiend, this phantom, I've heard many persons in East Norfolk and East, even East Cambridgeshire described as seeing the black shaggy dog with fiery eyes and immense size who visits churchyards at midnight. Could this foggy ghostly apparition be Shuck? As I said, more will be revealed tomorrow. So social dilemma time yet again. Uh, I get sent things on Instagram, Twitter, advertising things that they think I need. So I had a little slight little, you know, little bit of a twitchy hump, um, as in uh, my upper back, where my hump is, the humpback butler, as I'm now known, um, was, was sort of hurting a little bit here. And I got sent something that uh, would probably, uh, you know, cure all ills, basically. It's an all-body sort of uh, type of massaging device here. And it, it sent me through... Usual pretty people on this advert here, uh, waking up with a little bit of back pain. Uh, and apparently you have to activate by warming the CBD lotion and rubbing it on the area that's uh, inflicted here uh, before you uh, go out on your daily exercise, so my daily dog jaunt. And, uh, and then uh, once you get back, uh, you sort of do the wind down uh, type of uh, exercises after, after exercising. And then you get out this thing that looks like a cross between a hand blender and a pneumatic drill. And you start applying it to your problem areas. And this thing looks like some sort of um, out of control piston on Red Bull, basically. Um, and, uh, and you use this device in different problem areas around the body after you put the CBD oil on. Um, it's, uh, there's hardly any sound apparently, but I, I thought I'd try this out today. You know, I've got one one hand uh, on the microphone here, and I've got the other other hand with this sort of you know. As I said, it's like a it's like looks like a, a, a hand whisker 
a pneumatic hand whisker basically so here we go let's try it on uh, on some of my problem areas see what happens here well definitely reaching the parts that other pneumatic drills do not reach um, I don't know if it's doing me any good though it's a rather vigorous vibrating action to be honest oh dear it may may cure my tinnitus <laughs> but anyway I think this product is doubling up as you know several different devices I'm sure it's very good on your problem back areas and joint areas but this this vibrating hand tool it, I, I, it seems to me may have dual purposes and it's uh, it's selling selling across the marketplace uh, to uh, to the good the bad the ugly and indeed the naughty so it was a chilly morning when I uh, when I got out this morning with uh, with Maggie and George and uh, you know decided to go for a walk and looked across the road and there was somebody I think probably waiting for some sort of Uber or something some lad and you know, he's a rather sort of larger chap, much like myself, a little bit rotund, uh, and he had um, and he had the skinny jeans on. Now, I've you know I have a real problem with the sort of dad jeans fit. You know, baggy on the ass. Uh, you know, it looks like your uh, legs have the are the Michelin man when really you have pretty skinny legs. But they just don't fit very well. So I have been considering the, the skinny jeans for quite some time. You know, just give it a go, basically. See, uh, see what, uh, you know, what, uh, what it could basically, uh, you know, do to me. Due to the look. Due to the butler, sort of the whole butler image, the visage. All of it. But, you know, I saw this, uh, I saw this chap uh, earlier on. And uh, you know he, they they basically looked like they were they were painted on these 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 jeans these skinny jeans were basically painted on here, and you know I couldn't get it, I couldn't get this out of my head and I thought well this has put me off wearing skinny jeans for life if this is what I could look like it's possibly you know like looking in the mirror at oneself and then realizing hmm maybe this fashion item isn't a good idea I mean the way I looked at it it looked like the skin of a sausage splitting and all the meat tumbling out basically all that it was oozing out all the meat would be oozing out you know that sausage could split if i put on those jeans that sausage could split there'll be bulges everywhere and it could be a, it could be a sort of nasty uh, nasty surprise at the end of the day so that has definitely put me off any sort of uh, any sort of idea of wearing skinny jeans in the future Thank you one and all for listening to the podcast this week. Keep coming cauliflower cheese on uh, at keep cheese on Twitter. Uh, also keep coming cauliflower cheese on Instagram. Like and subscribe. I'm on all the different platforms from Apple Music, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, all of them. So we finish with a little ditty I saw on Instagram. Uh, thanks to Mia and Miles. This is the time to be slow. Lie low to the wall. 
until the bitter weather passes. Try as best you can not to let the wire brush of your doubt scrape from your heart all sense of yourself and your hesitant light. If you remain generous, time will come good and you will find your feet again with the fresh pastures of promise where the air will be kind and blushed with beginning. Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. Cheerio.